0: Uh, for those of you who are guests or visitors here, my name Paul and I'm the pastor here. We've been working through Matthew chapters uh, 5 to 7, which uh, if you've uh, been around churches for a while, you know that's the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very, very popular uh, part of the Bible in that it is the longest section where Jesus teaches continuously. Uh, so it's a really amazing part of the Bible. Can I encourage you, if you are guests or visitors with us, go back and read it. And come up to where we are, because we're getting to the last couple of weeks of it here today. We're at uh, chapter 7, so we've only got a small amount left to go. But uh, can I encourage you, who put into practice what we did two weeks ago? Who hasn't worried for two weeks? (laughs) Good on you, Karen. Uh, That's what we looked at two weeks ago, didn't we? Uh, We looked at don't worry. Uh, At the end of chapter 6, Jesus tells us that we don't need to worry a couple of reasons, doesn't he? He tells us we don't have to worry because God cares. We don't have to worry because we can trust God. We don't have to worry because it doesn't achieve anything anyway. And we don't have to worry because we need to set our sights on what God's kingdom is and his righteousness. They're great encouragement, aren't they? The Bible is very, very practical. I love it when I read it and I go, yes, that just hits me where I need to hear it. Well, today we're going to be uh, visiting a very popular part of the Bible used and known by people who follow Jesus and people who don't follow Jesus as well. It contains probably two of the most famous sayings of Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. Uh, Jasmine's going to come out and read that for us and then uh, we're going to have a look at it together.
1: and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will tr- may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Who. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you will have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets."
0: You would have heard some of those before, wouldn't you? Do not judge, ask, seek, knock, and then that one at the end called the golden rule. Uh, They're well known by people, uh, but sometimes we know them, but do we live them? That's the challenge that we have before us this morning, don't we? As we uh, think about this together, Jesus has been challenging us all the way through from Matthew chapter 5 to live radical lives. Lives that are so radical that the world around us will want to know more about Him. It's a challenge, isn't it? And this part of the Bible is as much of a challenge as the one that's gone before. So I think we need God to help us as we think this through and not just read it and say, I've heard it before, but read it and ask God to change us. Because if we live the way He desires us to live, It will be radically changing to ourselves and to the world. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning, Lord, and we've heard this passage before, we've heard parts of it before, Uh, we've probably even quoted it before, Uh, we've even thought of it before, but Lord, we pray this morning that because we know it and because we see it, we won't become complacent with it. That Lord, this morning, by your Spirit, You will apply it anew to our hearts and that, Lord, we will be people who will be changed because of what we've read and heard this morning, that we'll go away from here, Lord, living the radical lives that you desire us to, to bring glory to you so that more and more people will want to know about you and come to know you and love you as well. Heavenly Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, you'll see right at the beginning, isn't it? Verse one is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Do not judge, or you shall be judged. Uh, Do not judge. It's a uh, it's a great quote, isn't it? Especially if you're in trouble. Uh, we love it, don't you? Don't judge me. Uh, people use it all the time. Uh, but what is Jesus really saying here? Is he saying that there is never a time to judge, or is he actually going for something deeper than that? If you remember back in verses 5 through to 7, and particularly parts of 5, Jesus talks a whole lot about, you heard this, but I tell you this. And then you get to chapter 6 and you see that Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites are, but I want you to be more than that. And at the end of chapter 6 he says, don't go after money, but I want your heart. You see, Jesus isn't just giving us a rule here. Jesus is going for our heart here. Jesus isn't just giving us a statement here. He's going for what's on underneath. He's going for our attitude, for who we are. You know, we often think when we don't, when we're talking about judging, uh, we think of someone like Simon Cowell on uh, England's Got, British's Got Talent or uh, X Factor, X File, looking at somebody and saying, bah, you're no good. But I don't think that's what Jesus is actually wanting us to think here. He's not wanting us to be sitting on a panel, looking at people and judging people and saying, no, you're not good enough. No, you're not good enough. But Jesus is going for our attitude. He's going for what's underneath. You see, because Jesus talks at other times throughout the Bible and even in this passage that there are times in life when we do need to actually make judgment calls. There is right and there is wrong. And there is a way that God desires us to live and there is a way that God doesn't desire us to live. And so there are times when we do need to make those sorts of calls. We're going to see when we get down to verse 6, he tells us to be discerning with who we spread the gospel to. When we get down to verse 15, we're going to see that he says there are people who are actually going to lead you astray, who are going to teach you not the truth. We need to be discerning. We need to make judgment calls. When we get later on to the New Testament, we hear that we need to make sure that people are teaching the right gospel. They are teaching the truth. There are times in the, in the gospels later on too, we find out that Jesus says there are certain ways that we are to live. So there are times when we need to be discerning and we do need to make judgment calls and there is right and wrong. But what Jesus is after us here this morning in this passage is he's saying that, He doesn't want us to have a judgmental attitude, a critical attitude, that attitude that when we look at people, we automatically go for, they're not good enough there, or they're not doing this here, or they're not doing that there. He's going for that attitude that creeps in on all of us, doesn't it? We're Aussies. We don't like the tall poppy, do we? We want to pull the tall poppy down. We often use sarcasm, which I don't think is exactly what Jesus is all about. But we often do, don't we? We get into this temptation of wanting to actually pull people back a bit. We start thinking, well, oh, they don't have as good a vision as I have. Oh, they're not as committed as I am. Oh, they don't have as big a faith as I have. Oh, they're not, they're not, they're not on the right diet, those ones. Oh, oh, they don't raise their kids the way I did Or the way I do. We can get very judgmental, can't we? We start to look at others and start to think they don't match up to who? Me. Or I want to make myself look better so I'll speak down about somebody else. It's very tempting, isn't it? We can get caught in that trap of having a judgmental, critical spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying, you are not to have. You are not to have. You know when you point the finger at somebody, there's one finger going that way and there's three coming back at you. Jesus says the way that you'll judge, you'll be judged accordingly back to you. In one sense he's saying if you're around being judgmental and critical, then it's more than likely that others are being judgmental and critical on you. And if you're being judgmental and critical, don't, get, don't forget that when it comes down to it, all of us fall short of God's standard. None of us reach it. But God has reached into our lives with grace and mercy, hasn't he? God has reached into us and he sees us in our sin and our evil and our brokenness. And he knows that judgment should be upon you, but he reaches into that and in grace he gives us Jesus. In grace and mercy he reaches in and he pulls us to himself and loves us. Our God is a just, merciful and gracious God. And that is the way that we are to treat others. And it goes to the heart, doesn't it? goes to the attitude. goes to how we think about other people to be gracious and merciful and kind to others. That is what Jesus wants us to be. You see, this is not a command to be blind and just say we've written off everything that is out there and there's no right or wrong. Just do what you want to do. There's no judgment here. But it is a command for us to be generous generous to each other. That's what God wants of us. That's what Jesus desires of you and I. If we are radical followers of Jesus, we're not going to be ripping the carpet out from other people. We're not going to be putting down other people. We are not going to be critical of others. We're going to be building them up, uplifting, encouraging them. And Jesus goes on, doesn't he? And so he gives us a very funny illustration. If you think Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor, we'll read this. Well, you say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's a funny illustration, isn't it? You know, Jesus is saying, look, it's a bit like this, guys. You've got a surgeon, he's got a huge plank in his eye and he's going to come and take out the very small speck in yours. It's ridiculous, isn't it? He's saying it's stupid, guys. It's so funny. It's stupid. Don't do it. Many of you will remember a guy called John Burns who was part of our congregation for many years. And John had very, very poor eyesight most of the time. Uh, no, he had very, very poor eyesight. And uh, he would, uh, I used to take him out to dinner every now and then And I remember taking him out for dinner one day and uh, he was telling me how bad his eyesight was and and I asked him, did you ever have a licence, John? He says, no, no, they would never give me a licence. I said, well, mate, make sure I never let you drive my car. And he laughed. It's a bit like that, how stupid would it be if I gave John Burns, who could only see a tunnel vision about this far, the keys to my car, and said, mate, go and drive it. Stupid. It would be very dangerous as well. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is something that you should not be... It's so funny. It's so laughable. Don't do it. Remove the plank from your own eye first. We need to think about that, don't we? I don't know about you, but I reckon as Christians, uh, we can tend to slip into this. And I think particularly we slip into this when we start gossiping about each other, when we start speaking about each other to other people and we start being critical and complaining and bringing things to them and and it's not helpful is it because what it does is it ends up breeding discontentment ends up breeding bitterness and in the end it can be very very hurtful I reckon as Christians we as followers of Jesus this is the one area we've got to be so careful because it's the one area that Satan wants to come in and tempt us to judge by gossiping by speaking unhealthily about others around us. Uh, I've developed this a little mantra which I've put up there uh, that when people start talking to me about others uh, that I say this, is it going to be helpful, encouraging or uplifting about the other person? If it's not then well, I don't want to hear about it. Is it going to be helpful, encouraging and uplifting about the other person? Then no. I don't need to hear about it. I don't know, that's something I encourage you to have a think about it yourself. I don't know where you're at with that. I know that I need to not only do that when someone speaks to me, but I need to say that to myself when I think about speaking about others. Now, there's not a bad thing about speaking about other people. We love talking about other people. And it can be great and it can be encouraging and it can be helpful and useful and building up. Great to do that. But we've got to be careful we don't flip it, do we? Start having a critical spirit. Start being judgmental. Start having an attitude that we actually want to pull down rather than uplift. I encourage you to use this. If someone says starts talking to you, I encourage you to use this when you start thinking about talking to somebody else because we are not to do it. Do not be judgmental is what Jesus is saying to you. Do not have that attitude, that critical attitude. Have one that is uplifting and encouraging and building one another up in the Lord. I notice that he does say though that if there is an issue with somebody, Jesus doesn't leave it. He doesn't just say, well, no, there won't be issues between you and there won't be problems in other people's lives. He said there can be specks in people's lives. And sometimes we need to lovingly come along and help people to remove that speck. We're not there to condemn them. We're there to help them remove it. He doesn't say get the splinter and then rub it in further, drive it into their eye and make them feel really, really bad about it and really, really hurtful about it. He says you've got to remove the log from your own eye so you can see clearly to helpfully remove the speck. Have you ever tried to remove a speck from your own eye? Or had anyone else do it? It's a horrible thought, isn't it? And if they were just going in hard at you, it would be even worse. You've got to be careful. You've got to be patient. You've got to be loving. You've got to be gentle. You've got to help one another with that. Jesus also says in Matthew 18, if we have an issue with somebody, if we have a problem with somebody, he tells us that we need to go and speak to them about that and talk to them and lovingly Restore relationship. That's what Jesus is on about ultimately, isn't he? That we have lovingly restored relationships because that is how God has dealt with us. Jesus has stepped in, taken a punishment for our sin and restored our relationship with God. And he says that we are to be on about that as well. Blessed are the peacemakers. Is Jesus. And then he goes on, doesn't he? He says, uh, in verse 6, he says that we need to be discerning. Do not be judgmental in attitude, but also be discerning, he says. Well, I think Jesus is balancing this a little bit, isn't he? Between the one stark statement here and the next statement in verse 6. Uh, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. He is saying there are moments when we need to be discerning about what we do and how we live. And particularly he's saying here that we need to be discerning about how we present the gospel and when we present it and who we present it to. Uh, you see, what he's saying here is sometimes there are people who are like wild dogs, They're not like that little fluffy white things at our house, though they do look vicious when they bark at the front door. One of those fluffy white ones. He's talking about vicious packs of dogs that would rip you apart. When he's talking about pigs, he's not talking about pet pygmy pigs. He's talking about wild boars that come in and rip and destroy and take people apart. He's saying that there are going to be people in the community, in the world, who are going to be like that about the gospel. And he says we need to be discerning about how we present the gospel to them. Don't present before swine. Don't feed the dogs under the table. Saying There are times when we need to be careful about how we share the gospel with people who are like that. Uh, Sam Ellie's not here today, I don't think, is he? Sam posted something on the web uh, recently on the Face page about her particular view on the change in the Marriage Act. Well, you should have seen the vicious dogs and the wild pigs come in to attack her. Absolutely, came in to rip her apart. There are times sometimes when maybe we just need to step back from it. Maybe we don't have to go in and present the gospel wildly at them. Maybe we need to just step back and love them until they're not like that so we can present the gospel to them. Jesus says sometimes we need to be discerning about that. But he says we should always be praying. Uh, that was my discerning picture. I'm not sure whether that's discerning or not, but I thought it might wake some of you up anyway and think, what's going on there? We need to be discerning. Uh, but then he goes on, doesn't he? He says, but we always need to be praying. Uh, if you look at verses 7 through to 11, uh, Jesus comes on and he speaks to us, ask, seek, knock. Uh, notice how many times I'll show you, look at this. Look at him and he says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, 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 ask. What do you think he's asking us to do? Be persistent, isn't he? Don't give up. He says, it's always time to be praying. He says, he doesn't want you to be judgmental. There's time to be discerning, but there's always time to pray, says Jesus. Ask, seek, knock, be persistent in your praying, he says. There is not a time when we shouldn't be praying, except maybe when you're driving a car. As long as you've got your eyes open, you can still pray. But if there's no time we shouldn't be praying, we should be always on about prayer, always asking, always seeking, always knocking, always becoming before God to pray to Him. That is a wonderful truth, isn't it? Because that's what Jesus wants us to do. Do This is Jesus telling us to do this. Sometimes I hear people say, Ah, you're one of those God-botherers, aren't you? You You're always speaking. Man, that's not going to bother her. God wants me to do that. Man, what I'm really being, I'm being more of an ignorer of God most of the time. He wants me to speak more to him. Jesus wants us to speak more and more to him and to be persistent in that. That's why he repeats the ask, seek, knock all the time. He just wants you to get that through to you. Be persistent in prayer. And do you know that there's not specifically saying that you have to have a particular order? He's actually saying you can ask, seek and knock. Matthew chapter 6, we know he talks about the Lord's prayer. We see there an example of prayer. But there's asking in that as well. Sometimes I think we can't come to God unless we're only going to be praising him and, and glorifying and saying how wonderful he is. Good things to do, by the way. But most of the time when we see God, Jesus talking about prayer or even in the New Testament about prayer, it's about asking. It's about petitioning. It's about seeking. It's about bringing things to God. You can ask God about anything. You can seek Him on everything. Anytime, anywhere. That's what He wants for us, to be persistent in prayer. But you notice what else He says to us? We jump backwards on that one. Um, He says, He gives us an example, doesn't He, that we are to come to God like he is our father now don't get me wrong some of us have had good fathers in this life some of us have had terrible fathers in this life some of us had alright fathers in this life but all of us would love a perfect father wouldn't we and that's what we have in our father in heaven and we come into to his family and are his children he can be our father Notice he says that you, though you are evil, who would come to his father? We don't deserve to be part of his family, but God has brought us into his family through Jesus. And now that we're in his family through Jesus, we can come to him and ask him and seek him out like a child does. And Jesus goes on there, doesn't he? And we even not noticed that, don't we? Uh, when a child's there in front of you, they'll ask you, won't they? They'll talk to you, they'll ask you for things. If you go out the back to put clothes on the line or something, they'll chase you out the back and they'll seek you to ask you for things. And if you're sitting on the toilet, they'll come and knock, or they'll barge in, depending, but they'll knock on the door to seek you, to ask you for things. That's what Jesus has put this together, hasn't he? Ask, seek, knock, stand there, go after, knock, petition, go, because God is your heavenly Father who loves you and desires what is best for you? That's what he's talking about there, isn't he? Who is his father? If you ask for something, we'll give you, ask for bread, we'll give you a rock. Who is your father who would ask you for something? You'd give him a serp a serpent, a snake. Our God is a good God who wants to give you good gifts. He wants to seek out what is best for you. Now we don't always know what is best for us, and that's probably a good thing, isn't it? How scary would it be if God gave you everything that you thought you needed? It would be very scary. God knows what's best for you and he gives you only what is best for you, only what is good for you. Uh, underneath all this isn't it, is not that idea, is that trust that we have a 4G network with God. Uh, God is gracious, God is great, God is glorious, God is good and God is gracious. He's all those things and He's our Heavenly Father who wants to be that for you and give that to you. I that, did that thing at the beginning that we got from Vanuatu, isn't it? Uh, God is good. I'm going to do it again. You ready? God is good. All the time. All the time. Is he is, isn't He? Yeah, and clap, clap, clap. That's right. <laughs> that's what, uh, what we have in it. And, and, and that's what Jesus is saying here to us. Be persistent in prayer because you have a heavenly Father in relationship with Him like a child and He only gives you good things, good gifts. He answers your prayer in what's best for you. That is a wonderful truth, isn't it? Don't have a judgmental attitude. Be discerning about the gospel. Always be in prayer and then finally we come up with the golden rule, as some have said in the past, which I don't think it's this one. Uh, If you can read that, remember the golden rule? What's that? Whoever has the gold makes the rules. Now that's not Jesus' one, is it? Uh, Have a look at what Jesus says in verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Now, I reckon you've heard that before. But I wonder if you're living it. Honestly. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a challenge, isn't it? It floats off the tongue, it reels off the tongue. It's very easy to say, but are you really doing that? with a person who's your next door neighbour you just struggle with a bit and man you'd rather not have much to do with them but really you'd like it if they had something to do with do you go over that person that you've had a relationship with and you haven't seen them for ages and you think what I would really love to do is go and visit them and see them but they haven't seen me so I'm not going very easy to say but do we live in it's very challenging isn't it some you'll hear if you see this uh, if you read about it that uh, uh, a number of other religions have a very similar statement the golden rule is across a whole lot of different religions but just about every other religion who has it has it in the negative do not do unto others what you wouldn't have them do to you now Jesus has flipped it hasn't he see they're thinking about the negative well I wouldn't want them to do that to me so I'm not going to do that to them no 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 Jesus says what you would have them do to you you go and do to them see the difference it's quite a radical change because people will say that Jesus here has actually just taken something and made it up you know he's actually taken off somebody else well even if he has taken off himself he's radically changed it he's flipped it because now it's not just about sitting back and not doing something to someone else that you wouldn't have them do to him it's actually thinking what is best for other people it's thinking about what i would like to do how i can get out there how i can love them how i can serve them not just sitting back and not just doing stuff because you don't want them to do it to you but it's actually getting out there and doing it a radical transformation of what may be a golden rule that's in many other religions, but Jesus takes it and flips it and gives us something even better. I read this quote during the week. (sighs) If we put ourselves sensitively into the place of the other person and wish for them that we would wish for ourselves, we would never be mean. Always generous. Never harsh, always understanding, never cruel, always kind. It's by a guy called John Stott. It's a great quote, isn't it? You're thinking for us, how do we live that out? You see, if we live the golden rule, then we will not have a judgmental critical spirit, will we? We will be discerning on how we share the gospel. We will always be praying, And we'll be seeking to live radical lives for Jesus in a world that desperately needs to know him. Very common sayings, aren't they, that we've heard many times. Do not judge. Ask, seek, knock. Do unto others as they would have them do unto you. I pray that they're not just nice sayings that they will hit your heart that the Spirit will apply them into your lives and as radical followers of Jesus we'll live them out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father We have heard this passage many times. We've read it, we've heard it, it gets quoted, it gets thrown out there. Uh, Bits and pieces from this part of your Sermon on the Mount, Lord, are often in, uh, in the media sometimes, around us, quoted to us, spoken to us. We've heard them, Lord. But, Lord, this morning we want them to be applied into our hearts. We ask, Lord, that by your Spirit... Your spirit will take a sword to our hearts and cut out those areas that aren't like this. And your spirit will apply into our hearts the truth of your words, Lord, and will transform us. Lord, we ask for forgiveness if we have had a judgmental, critical spirit, Lord. We ask for forgiveness if we haven't been discerning. We ask for forgiveness if we haven't been persistent in prayer. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, if we truly haven't sought to do what is best for others as we'd have them do to us. Lord, we're sorry. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for your empowering of your spirit within us to change us and transform us. Lord, we pray this morning that we'll be transformed radical followers of you. I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.